Hello everybody. So welcome back to Coffee Protocol podcast. This is your host Baristan Bikes. Most of you do know that I did work at an estate uh, for some while. So while I was working at Pranoy at Kerala, I happened to um, obviously have a lot of conversation with his dad Ajoy and he's just an amazing institution himself. He has a lot of knowledge about uh, plantation, the horticulture side of coffee and just about anything to do with coffee. So the following episode which is basically a two part episode basically conversation with Ajoy and his take on coffee a lot of wise words about what you should shouldn't and maybe could do with coffee a spores it's almost like uh, yellow colored dust mm-hmm. which appears on the lower part of the leaf mm-hmm. and these are spread by the wind there you will see this uh, plant that is exhausted mm. which naturally tends to shed a bit of its leaf just in case if you had to introduce yourself yeah how would you do that uh my name is ajoy tipaya mm-hmm. i am a fourth generation uh, coffee grower correct and uh, uh i have been a uh, i hail from a planting family mm-hmm. uh, we have our uh, coffee plantation in the uh, district of chikmagalur in karnataka correct yeah nice So it's been what in total about a month that uh, I spent here at Kerala Glue and uh, every time I remember I spoke to uh, uh, him I I knew you know there's like a lot of lot of knowledge uh, that people can soak up from and uh, so a couple of days ago I spoke to this gentleman from Nagaland uh, Lee Chan and he wanted to get some insight from the uh, coffee planters side of uh, the world okay. okay he said brewing and roasting he still can get a lot of things online right but when it comes to plantation side of the coffee uh, or about horticulture in general or growing and stuff like that there is very limited knowledge online right. plus especially about india it's hardly anything right so it's either the books that you have at the coffee board um or probably something from outside but less about india so he said uh, why not you know ask some questions and i said i was here i might as well ask uncle and get some data for you so i'm just going to ask a couple of questions what he has asked right then we'll go and have some more questions for you so what are the most famous coffee varieties that grow in india both arabica and robusta <coughs> well if you're talking about the scenario which uh, we are faced with today mm-hmm. especially in arabica yeah. <coughs> uh predominantly uh, arabica selection number 795 okay is has been one of the most popular uh, varietals in uh, the arabica growing zones mm-hmm. uh, even today okay and uh, to a very large extent also uh, the kaveri mm-hmm. uh, 
and of course then you have the various subspecies of the semi dwarfs okay and in my opinion uh, sachimo mm -hmm. which is again a derivative from the the it comes from the lineage of uh, the ula sachi and uh, uh, katimor correct uh, and they have rechristened it uh, uh, in india and they've named it uh, chandragiri mm -hmm. uh today i think uh, chandragiri has uh, you know come into the coffee growing areas in a very big way mm -hmm. uh, in fact uh, it's uh, replacing a lot of the areas which were under kaveri okay uh, uh, that is what i, I have been made to believe mm -hmm. but 795 still you know kind of rules the roost in large tracts of the arabic growing zones okay of course uh you do have selection 9 mm -hmm. which again is uh, a derivative from the hybrido dtmor which is one of the best uh, arabicas uh, the world has known correct so uh, although uh, due to its various uh, characteristics uh, people find it <coughs> a very kind of a delicate uh, varietal of uh, arabica mm -hmm. but it's gaining in popularity in many many areas of the coffee growing regions of uh, the state of uh, karnataka as well as i'm told even in tamil nadu and kerala okay thanks and so if you had to rank them yeah like let's say 1 to 5 on the top basically based on the popularity is 795 yes and then you have uh, Chandragiri Chandragiri and then you have uh, Kaveri or selection 9 which one See Kaveri uh, I I I I may be wrong mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not too sure but uh, I've been made to understand that uh, you know it's it's it is being phased out okay in a lot of uh, arabic growing areas because <clears throat> one thing is uh, once the 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 Uh, the leaf rust problem mm -hmm. that uh, arabica plantations are faced with mm -hmm. uh, most of these uh, arabica varieties which are when first introduced have great resistance to uh, leaf rust okay but as you know uh, uh, leaf rust uh, they tend to mutate correct and uh, when they mutate then the resistance of these varieties uh, reduces you know reduces so uh, and then what happens in a year where you have varying temperatures uh, you know the microclimates are so the variables are so vast mm -hmm. then you see plants the plantations that are devastated uh, with defoliation mm -hmm. uh, which is basically uh, the outcome of uh, attacks of uh, leaf rust correct yes so i would i i don't know if uh, ranking anything after 795 in a particular way is uh, correct okay. but i would uh, definitely feel that depending on the the zone in which mm -hmm. it's grown mm -hmm. uh, you know the response to a certain type of varietal is always different correct you cannot have two zones which are similar in many ways correct correct, yes. correct. fair enough and what about the non varietals uh, of robusta robusta although i'm i'm not a you know big robusta grower myself but uh, uh, the varieties that i have is uh, the cdr which is the congenesis into robusta mm -hmm. congenesis as you know 
is uh, uh, he it is a native of the uh, the country Congo mm -hmm. which is in the central African uh, uh, you know the equatorial region correct and it, it was crossbred into uh, a variety of of robusta mm -hmm. and that's why it is called C into R mm -hmm. of course there are other varieties of robusta which have been very very popular is one is uh, 274 mm -hmm. uh, it is grown in vast areas of the robusta growing belts in uh, Chikmangalore like Badevanur and Magundi mm -hmm. and those uh, you know where the lower elevations mm -hmm. and uh, in Kurg uh, I've been made to understand Peridinia is another varietal of uh, robusta which is grown extensively correct uh, but I'm not too sure as to what the popularity is. Mm -hmm. But um, C into R has, uh, in you know, people who have converted a lot of their Arabica zones into C into R, mm -hmm. uh, into Robusta, uh, they have preferred uh, planting those areas with C into R. Okay. Instead of going for varietals like uh, Peridinia or uh, 274 okay. or like that. Okay. Fair so, for example, let's let's talk about selection seven nine five. Yeah. Selection nine. Yeah. Uh, Chandragiri and Kaveri. Let's talk about these four uh, varietals. And physiologically, what are the main differences uh, that one can look at and identify or try to identify which varietal it is between these four? If you if you take the case of uh, 795, mm -hmm. uh, it is a tall mm -hmm. a variety of Arabica. So when we say tall, about what feet? Is yeah, when you tall? say tall, you now coffee Arabica especially has been uh, differentiated into a tall, mm -hmm. uh, semi dwarf, and a dwarf. Okay. Now tall, I would say uh, uh, typically what uh, the coffee board would suggest is you do the first topping at around uh, uh, between 36 and 39 inches. Okay. That is three feet. Yeah. Some in areas which have heavy slopes uh, where there is a lot of uh, chances of, uh, you know, wind, mm -hmm. uh, they even, uh, you know, they top the plants even lower than okay. 36. Okay. Some even at 30 inches, 33. Uh, so they started to that height for the first topping and then of course second topping in more areas where uh, like if you if you take the case of uh, our area which is Aldur mm -hmm. um, we top at that between 36 and 39 and the second tier is uh, topped at around uh, five five and a quarter feet okay but off late been topping it higher uh, five six so that's one of the reasons why it's called tall while if you look at uh, a semi-dwarf which like for instance uh, Sachimora or Chandragiri mm -hmm. uh, that is uh, lowered by around three inches okay and even the structure of the bush also it doesn't you know spread out laterally okay it's more of a more compact Okay. Uh, in uh, in appearance okay. and uh, even the uh, you know what we call as the uh, you know the lateral the 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 primaries mm -hmm. and even the secondaries they don't really extend too far out mm. and then you have the dwarfs which was there was a variety called Sandramon which 
is now where it was introduced by the coffee board but i don't think it's uh, uh, a variety of arabica which is really very popular nowadays okay i think you hardly find any estate which has sandalwood uh, so that is uh, actually a do off in okay. the sense that i don't think uh, the recommendation was if i remember correctly that the second uh, topping was around uh, uh, four and a half or four feet nine inches you wow. know yeah Okay. so that is the differentiation between a tall uh, semi dwarf semi and dwarf yeah okay. and in uh, if you look at the appearance of uh, 795 it's um, it's a very leafy dark we, we it's um, the the color of the leaf is uh, almost like um, uh, you know a very deep dark green okay and um, uh, extremely vigorous uh, but highly susceptible to uh, leaf rust okay you know so that being the case it, it definitely needs a lot of uh, you know care as far as uh, you know your preventive measures are concerned okay. so that where you can you know do you do your regular sprays to you know stop the uh, the spread of uh, leaf, leaf rust. rust and also the other thing is the curative part okay where if you are, have areas which have been hit mm-hmm. then you have to do the other uh you know the practices of you know curing the the leaf rust okay uh if you if you compare that to uh, selection number 9 mm-hmm. selection number 9 is you can almost say that the it's a much lighter green mm-hmm. and it has the the tips the new flush mm-hmm. is always uh, got a, a a bronze color correct uh so in many places they call it a uh you know a bronze tip nine uh but in, at the end of the day and it's got a, a r- almost like a rounded uh, leaf when you compare it to 795 okay uh slightly smaller clusters in my opinion but then again you know i have seen some bushes which do have some you know clusters of up to 15 16 fruit mm-hmm. and the internode is slightly wider compared to 795 yeah 795 but it's a very it's a very uh, robustly vegetative uh, plant okay. so it tends to put out a lot of uh, uh, suckers what we call as secondary primaries mm-hmm. and it requires a lot of handling okay. you know that is one the downside to the selection number 9 and a extremely early ripener okay and uh, considering the fact that uh, uh, you know climate change is happening on such a large scale mm-hmm. uh, this early ripening is not a great thing Uh, to have on your Correct. plantation Correct. because uh, if the uh, plants start to ripen even before the monsoon has receded mm-hmm. uh, you know you are in for a difficult time as to how you're going to dry the uh, coffee if you pluck it correct yeah and uh, let's say between kaveri and chandragiri what could be the major differences uh, uh you could say chandragiri uh when compared to kaveri is uh, you know uh, you wouldn't say it's a very compact mm-hmm. but it's uh, one thing is uh, it's got a very uh, you know it's a lot more robust okay uh, compared to kaveri mm-hmm. holds a lot of leaf mm-hmm. big clusters internodes are very close okay and uh, sometimes you'll even come across uh, i mean i've heard of instances where uh, the chandagiri a single plant has yielded up to uh 
between 13 and 15 kgs wow yeah which uh, which is quite uh, quite a lot, quite a lot. Yeah. that is basically because the internode is that the is very very Close. small so the clusters are big very small closed nodes and uh, and it's also another plant uh, which has a great degree of resistance to uh, leaf rust leaf yeah although it is susceptible to uh, you know uh, white stem borer if in a year uh, typically what happens is once a coffee bush yields a lot it tends to you will you will you'll see this a uh, plant that is exhausted mm. which naturally tends to shed a bit of its leaf you know mm. after the harvest is over okay. so that exhaustion of the plant uh, under heavy stress it has been under heavy stress mm. and then what happens is once it loses a bit of leaf it becomes susceptible to a white stem borer attack okay because there's not enough of flush Correct. or leaf to protect its um, stem stem uh then while you have the kaveri which is more uh, very very compact almost conical in shape okay uh structurally mm-hmm. uh doesn't have very very long uh, primaries okay. nor do its secondaries also uh, you know extend out too far uh but uh, there have been cases where you know uh, there have been uh, planters who have uh, you know gotten very 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 high yields in a good year mm-hmm. and then seen uh, a, a, uh, you know a drop the next okay. year okay. so it seems to have that alternative uh, yeah, yeah, you know high and low mm-hmm. uh, pattern of uh, production product, uh, productivity for kaveri for kaveri okay. yeah so you it would and the leaf also is very very much smaller if you look at the uh, chandragiri leaf it's big, big. Uh, it's almost like uh, your uh, 795 mm-hmm. or uh, to a great extent sometimes even uh, selection number 9 uh, but uh, if you look at the kaveri leaf even the big leaves are not even half the size of some of the chandragiri leaves okay yeah okay so that's like a major yes thing that you can okay now i i i do uh, want to say that you did mention a couple of uh, diseases yeah and uh, i think most of us who have read a couple of books or something like that i mean we do come across leaf rust or uh, a berry borer okay so what are the most common coffee related diseases that are currently prevailing in the country well the major problem uh, that most coffee arabica plantations have mm-hmm. is uh, leaf rust okay or is basically it's called hemilia vestivus correct uh so where you have these uh, spores it's almost like uh, yellow colored dust mm-hmm. which appears on the lower part of the leaf <laughs> and these are spread by the wind okay and as these spores uh, kind of uh, form mm-hmm. and uh, when you have that black eye spot on the leaf mm-hmm. then when you have heavy wind it disperses this uh, to other plants oh yes so what happens is if you have <clears throat> an area and you typically see this uh, in areas where where you don't have too much of shade okay you know? or you could also have uh, areas which 
are kind of exposed to, uh, you know, a wind, a constant, uh, you know, a great amount of wind. Uh, while you know, you will also not see it in many areas at all. The other reason also is that, you know, certain times of the year, like immediately after the monsoon, when the southwest is retreating and then the northeast is just about to make its appearance, mm -hmm. you do have some times of the year, especially in late September and early October, where you may suddenly have some very sunny days. Okay. And where the temperature, which was all cool and damp and all that, suddenly become very hot and humid. Okay. Now, those kind of conditions are very, very conducive for the, uh, the spread of uh, the leaf, rust. Uh, leaf rust, you know. So, in the old days, uh, you know, we, we would do a, a pre-monsoon spray, mm -hmm. uh, that it was a preventive spray for uh, uh, leaf, leaf rust. And then post-monsoon, it was more of a curative. If you did see, you would uh, do some spot sprays to just prevent that thing from spreading. Okay. But... Uh, with the, like you say, like the ambient temperatures varying so much between from day to day, week to week or month to month, uh, now it's become something that, uh, you know, it's very, very hard to control okay. in certain areas. And it, the earlier the better, because the moment uh, there is a, a phase where you see a plant uh, which has been hit by uh, leaf rust, mm -hmm. and if you, if you don't do anything about it, Within a week to ten days, you'll see it, it's already spread to that, you know, the wow. uh, you know the area which is in that that particular surrounding of the plant. Okay. Yeah. So, so when when a plant is said to be affected by leaf rust, yes. Uh, obviously, the initial sign, as you say, is that you see those spores kind of thing, which is on the underside of yes, the leaf. Yes. Yes. But when a plant is already affected, that means it's already shedding the leaves. Yes, it'll start to shed. Okay. It will. The moment it gets hit. Uh, well, initially what happens is when you, when you do see the leaf rust making its appearance on a plant, mm -hmm. you will have a few leaves here and there, you know. Okay. Uh, but over a period of time, if it's not treated and uh, if uh, no preventive measures are taken, uh, most of the leaf on that particular plant will get it okay. and they, the plant will defoliate. Okay. Yes. Okay. Wow. And so, any... Is there any cure for it? Yes, basically it, it's a fungus, right? right? So any fungicide, well, most people use, uh, uh, you know, Biloton was uh, uh, a product that was used extensively mm -hmm. for curing, but it's, it's an expensive product. Okay. But typically in the old days you would have uh, what was called, uh, is called uh, Bodo mixture. Mm -hmm. That is a mixture of uh, copper sulfate, uh, calcium oxide, which is your, uh, what we call as suna, mm -hmm. uh, chunam, chunam. Yeah. and uh, you, you know, a little bit of urea. Correct. So you have this concoction which is made and uh, depending on the severity of uh, the leaf rust, mm -hmm. uh, a mixture of 1 to even 2% Correct. mixture is sprayed. Yeah. Yes. So it's said to be enough. Yes. To but then, uh, of late, you know, you you we have uh, heard a lot about how uh, the use of copper sulfate mm -hmm. has uh, left uh, uh, copper residues in the soil, Correct. which has led to copper toxicity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So nowadays there is a little bit of uh, you know a resistance to copper sulfate, 
the use of copper sulfate. So people are using the other products like uh, Contaf and uh, things like that. So these are just other concoctions yes. that does not have copper. Yes, yes, that's okay. right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that is that is the leaf rust that we know about now. Yeah. What would what would you say is the second most? Uh, uh, as far as disease to a plant yeah. is concerned, uh, if if you're not if I when I say disease, mm -hmm. uh, it's not a pathogen. Uh, so let's say even if it's a pathogen, it's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, now, for instance, most Arabica zones uh, now uh, are being, have been hit very, very severely by the white stem borer. Okay. Okay. Now, that has devastated uh, certain plantations. Okay. And more so now when you have, you know, uh, it's almost like a, uh, you know, the, yeah. the circle, uh, it's, it's a very vicious circle. Mm. You know, when coffee prices are down, uh, you know, people tend to put in a lot less into the plantation. Correct. The inputs uh, go down. Correct. When the inputs go down, productivity goes, goes down. down. When productivity goes down, then how do you supplement your income Correct. as to how do you run the property? Correct. How do you run the show? How do you pay your wages? How do you, uh, where do you get your money to pay, get for the fertilizer, Correct. to get your insecticides? Yeah. Uh, how, where do you get your money to do a bit of shade lopping. Correct. So what happens is people end up selling a bit of their, their shade trees, uh -huh. which is uh, silver oak. Uh -huh. Now the moment you sell silver oak, there are certain areas where, you know, you may sell a lot more than you would sell on the other side. So what happens is you're opening up certain areas mm -hmm. a lot more than what is required. You know, you don't have the ideal shade left anymore. Correct. So those areas become susceptible to widespread borer attacks. Ah, so white stem borer attacks uh, attacks more to a place where there is less shade? Uh, why Why so is that the white stem borer is prevalent everywhere. Uh -huh. All right. Now, when the, the beetle mm. lays its eggs, mm. it lays its eggs uh, on the crevices and notches on Correct. the plant. Mm. Now, those eggs will hatch only from the heat of the sun rays. Oh. Yeah. So if you, uh, if, if it's laid its eggs in a very damp, cold, you know, kind of a part of the, the, the stem of a coffee plant, where, which is not going to get enough light, probably those eggs will never hatch. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. So once those eggs hatch, mm -hmm. those, uh, the balava bore into the plant. Correct. Okay. Now, if you go to a shaded area, even the incidence of borer is a lot less. So, so then this whole cycle starts, you know, okay. and it, it's a vicious cycle. Uh, so, uh, it takes a long time. So, today, the, it's, you have to be very, very judicious mm -hmm. in your thought process as to how much shade mm -hmm. you can regulate mm -hmm. and to what quantum you should regulate as, and to the frequency at which you should regulate. Okay. Now, uh, also a time has come where you cannot just think about uh, your coffee anymore, just Correct. just as Correct. one crop. Correct. You need to uh, uh, think about other crops like pepper and uh, avocados and maybe lemon and orange and Correct. Uh, grapefruit, Correct. horticultural crops basically. Correct. So, so you're basically trying to augment your income mm. by other various other, sources. Correct. Like, you know. correct, correct, correct. So if you are able to do that, uh, like for instance, you hear about a lot of uh, small growers in Kurgu who are doing very well, mm. you know, 20 acres, 25 acres. 
and uh, even in Vainad, uh, in, in the Sultan Bateri area, mm. uh, you know, small growers who have tried various, you know, horticulture like uh, mangosteen mm. and, uh, you know, things like that. Mm. So, today, if you look at the way, you know, the average temperature also has, you know, kind of risen, the mean average temperature mm. uh, over uh, in the last 10 years especially. Uh, so, you're, you're faced with uh, uh, white, white stem borer devastation in Arabica areas. And the other, other side is also is that, you know, when you expose a lot of your, you know, your uh, soil, mm. especially, uh, you know, the areas surrounding your coffee plants mm -hmm. to the heat of the sun, then you're inviting a lot of tr trouble. One thing is kind of, uh, you know, you get you also get something what is called a dieback. A dieback? Yeah. Okay. What happens is the plants are put under so much of stress because of the openness of the, there's hardly any shade. Hmm. Then you see the primaries of the, the coffee plants, whether it is Arabica or Robusta, the, it starts wilting from the outer part of the uh, primaries inward into the stem. stem. So that's why it's called a dieback. Ah, okay. Yeah, so of late, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I've heard of plantations uh, in many areas where, you know, which were, uh, where a lot of, uh, you know, timber was removed mm. and uh, suddenly summer, summer temperatures went up to 32, 33, which is unheard of in correct, the old days. Uh, were badly affected uh, the with coffee, the, yeah. Oh, with mainly hoping the diebacks. Yes, and the other thing also is when once you open up areas like that and then you have a, a delayed April Mesha, hmm. then you get this leaf uh, green scale. It's called, uh, it's, a, it's again a microscopic uh, parasite uh -huh. uh, which uh, hits a lot of uh, coffee plants mm -hmm. and it covers all the, the uh, it's, uh, you know, the succulent parts of the new shoots. Oh, okay. They're feeding okay. off the, you know, the, the green, uh, the new shoots that correct, are. Correct, correct, correct. So, that is one thing. Then you have a lot of mealybug. 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 Okay. It's a, that again is a parasite. It's almost like a, you know, fluffy white colored uh, mm. insect. Uh, again, very, very tiny. And uh, the carriers of those mealybugs from place to place are ants. You know, they secrete a small kind of a juicy thing on their, on their, uh, body apparently which has a sweetness to it. Hmm. So the ants come for that sweetness ah. and these hop on to the ants and they are carried like that oh, all over the place. So they are very, very, very yeah. high. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So okay. these are some of the uh, typically what we face in Arabica mm -hmm. and also uh, you have the, uh, the berry borer. Correct. Uh, Berry borer is used to be predominantly only seen in uh, robusta areas and robusta plantations, but now also you do see it in Arabica. Correct. But more so in a year where uh, you know your uh, uh, the rainfall was very poor. Oh, in a year yeah. where your rainfall is very good, abundant, and it's been normal, yeah. the you the um, the incidence of berry borer is a lot less. Not that it is not there at all, but it's a lot less. So in a way, it's telling you that if nature is in control of the situation, then and conditions are ideal, mm -hmm. 
then uh, you are free of most of these kind of pests. Okay. Yeah. Only if something goes, yes, goes out wrong. of the normal. Yes. yes. So these berry borers. Yes. These berry borers are also very very tiny. Yes. That yes. so how how do they affect the so I'm assuming since it is berry borer, it is something to do with the berries or the cherries. Yeah. How does it exactly work or affect? So uh, you have the the male beetle, mm -hmm. which is almost uh, it's probably the size of a pinhead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, it bores into the uh, the bean. Okay. And it the life cycle happens inside the bean in mm -hmm. within two months. Okay. Yeah. So then again, it breeds there. Yeah. And then it it you know that whole life cycle starts over there. Now, uh, it used to be. Uh, I mean, uh, I, when when I as uh, when I first heard about berry borer, uh, we were told that uh, you know in the old days, uh, after you finish your harvesting, mm -hmm. we always did a bit of gleanings where we pick up uh, whatever had dropped off the plant while picking. Uh, yeah. Uh, because those were the berries that got hit by uh, oh, the berry, berry borer. So that's why you had to clean up the area of, you had to leave no residues behind and not even on the plant. Okay. But now, lately, uh, in some certain years where, you know, the, you have scanty rainfall, I've seen it also in Arabica. Okay. Yes. So normally it was not much with the Arabica. Uh, yes. But now with the change in yes. the environment yes. in general. Yes. It is now in, in Arabica. Wow. Okay. So, so you would say these are the four main yes. causes yeah. of troubles or challenges that yes. we have yes. As, yes. Um, in, in the country. Okay. And uh, so, again, with berry borers, uh, is there any cure for it? Oh, well, they were using a product called endosulfan. Uh -huh. Then it was banned. Correct. Because, uh, you know, it had a lot of... Uh, uh, you know, side effects to the people who would use it uh, to spray. Correct, correct, correct. And uh, after that was banned, I'm not too sure as to what. But then the coffee board came out with some berry borer traps. You know? Correct. I, I remember I saw yes, one. Yes, yes, yeah. Which is a very Conical, yeah. diamond shaped yes, something. Yes. With a liquid or something yeah. inside. So the liquid, yeah. the, the, the plastic veil in the center. Correct. Actually, it is a small chemical uh -huh. which is uh, supposedly has the same smell as the female pheromone of the uh, berry borer. The berry borers. Yeah. So it attracts the. Yeah, it attracted the male, mm. and the conical trap, mm. you know, would have a lower part which was filled with water. Correct. So when once the berry borer beetle, uh, the male came to this, uh, the to the attract to the weed, it would you know buzz around and fall into the water. Correct, 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 correct. You know, yeah. it was one of the very ingenious ways. It worked well, yeah. but I'm not too sure if uh, you know uh, the if a lot of people continued doing it. Mm. There are uh, definitely uh, uh, you know estates which do it very religiously every year. You know, mm. these very poor traps are used extensively uh, in certain areas. I'm told, but uh, you know, all these things are you know very time-consuming, very laborious to put yeah. out. Correct. So, there's only this much you can do sometimes, you know, after which, you know, you really don't have the time and the labor to do all these kind of things. Correct. Yeah. Uh, do we have something which is termed as the Indian heirloom varieties of coffee? 
well uh, it's not there and there anymore but the kent yeah. the kent variety was you could say uh, it was named after this gentleman uh, who, who was a british plant planter actually he was from the aldur area okay uh, his uh, estate was called dorungudda which is about uh, 14 kilometers from here correct uh, he is supposed to have first uh, you, uh, you know he was a planter but uh, also an expert uh, plant breeder Hmm. so he bred this uh, particular variety uh, which he christened as kent after kent. himself yeah. uh, initially uh, it was bred because of the the leaf rust okay. that was uh, you know very very prevalent this is i'm talking about uh, around the between uh, just about the time of the second world war or just immediately after the second world war mm-hmm. those were the times where mm-hmm. this was uh, seen and it was also causing a lot of havoc in these areas so that is what one of the elum varieties you could say okay. which is very specific to india yeah. the kent varieties even it's there is a mention of it in many of the uh, journals uh, which have been published abroad Correct. about uh, the international you know coffee uh, varieties that are grown all over the world and all that nice other than that i i think most of the others have been you know cross breeds so uh, which are of course given local names and so typically i don't think anything else would in my opinion would be uh, yes enough to be in that that's list. right okay. yes uh what about obata obata you see that's again a semi dwarf okay uh origins from brazil okay and uh i had visited brazil in uh, the year uh, 98 october okay and uh, we were in this coffee arabica growing zone area in south brazil which is called uh, uh, pinyol mm-hmm. uh, it's a part of the uh, it's it's in the state of uh, espirito santo okay and um, we were in this area and in, we met a few of the coffee growers there and that entire area was all arabica okay so we requested one farmer who apparently had a nursery okay if you could spare us uh, you know give us 1 kg of uh, arabic i mean uh, obata yeah. and very reluctant, reluctantly he agreed yeah. and uh, we he we were able to get about 1 kg of obata okay into so 1 kg of uh, cherries or seeds seeds seeds, seeds okay and uh, since we were seven of us we divided it equally between <laughs> the seven so i got 750 beans of uh, obata wow and it's from that uh, all the obata you know plants that came out yeah. and i've given it to many planters all over the place yeah. it's it's growing in uh, kur yeah. a lot of other regions in uh, murigere yeah. uh, a lot of the strains because I've, I've, i've i've heard the name uh, scarcely but yes uh-huh. yeah. and like you know that people have this variety called as obata and then I also saw it here at Kerala uh, Clue, and I, I definitely wanted to ask about that. Yeah, but there's one downside to obata. Yeah. Uh, it can't handle high temperatures. Like if you if you are in a year where your uh, first rains of the year are late. Yeah. Your summer rains, that is yeah. April, May. Yeah. Uh, you you're bound to they're bound to wilt. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, they have absolutely very poor resistance to uh, leaf rust. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they are you know it's in 
very very close characteristics to the number 10 or the sachimo okay you know yeah. uh, but slightly different in coloration so uh sometimes i feel even that one block that i have obata mm-hmm. over a period of time when we have done infilling a lot of the chandragiri may have come in there also so what happens is then you have this cross pollination happening correct 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 so correct. i'm the original obatas that i had 20 years ago yeah. uh, i just a few left okay. you know yeah yeah wow. okay so two questions are this one that now that you mentioned that sometimes cross pollination happens uh, yeah at the farm level where you have a certain varietals uh, i'm sure even here also there might be some places or some uh, regions inside the estate where there are more than one different varietal uh, of coffee whether it is arabica or robusta growing alongside in a similar uh, block let's say yeah. how do you deal with it like is it easy for you to like you know for example let's say in a block there is selection 9 and 7 and 5 Uh, that you pick only selection 9 or is it mixed or how do you see uh typically uh i i if i were to mention my own case mm-hmm. here um when i did a lot of replanting mm-hmm. uh since uh, 96 onwards i've replanted at the rate of about 5 acres a year mm-hmm. uh between 5 and 10 years when i could do more i did more initially it was uh, just replanted with selection number 9 okay and of course subsequently there were also certain blocks where we did chandragiri there were certain blocks where we did 5b we did 6 but then over a period of time what happens is uh if you are doing your own making your own nurseries plants and if you are having your own beds you are having your own baskets all the all the layer, the plant material is all from derived from your own estate mm-hmm. sometimes it becomes a bit difficult to do a whole lot of varieties you know you can't have 9 6 5b see to the the logistics of trying to you know you can do it mm-hmm. but if you well uh, if you leave it to labor to differentiate between they they can't they exactly uh, yes so what happens sometimes is you know uh, like when when you're doing borer tracing you remove the borer affected plant and now you're doing infilling mm-hmm. sometimes by mistake instead of putting in a number 9 they can put in something else over there correct 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 so correct. this is what may happen yeah. you know but those are all uh, you know field level problems which is it's not a it's not a big issue mm-hmm. uh, unless of course if the person has gone and put a robusta plant inside of a instead of a So if it's arabica. if it's among arabica let's say yeah arabica. it's not a problem it's not big of an issue no it's right? not it's definitely not mm-hmm. and in fact what i am doing now for my areas where which have exclusively under selection 9 i have discontinued planting selection 9 okay basically because of the practical problems that we are faced with that plant okay uh, because I, like i told you earlier the early ripening yeah. extremely vigorous vegetative uh, growth mm. which uh, you know so sometimes with the kind of labor force that we have it's almost impossible to keep up to its you know while you have other varieties mm. uh, which are a lot uh, less work so you better off so the infilling i'm doing with 6 or 5b okay yeah so 
anyways naturally and sometimes you'll have yes, a yes. mix of varieties yes. growing at one place correct uh, we'll end the episode here and then we'll continue next week from where we left and we'll get to know a little more about Ajoy himself and more importantly we'll also speak about the time when coffee was not decentralized that's before 92 93 when coffee was uh, not basically freely traded and uh, a lot more on that side and about what ajoy does with um, coffee and what he likes to drink in the next episode so stay tuned see you next week and remember let's make coffee simple